One of the reasons I sort of decided to, to leave it was just like everything was about the competition. Everything was about winning that competition as opposed to being a great dancer. Kev, do the press still hound you? Um, no, not as much anymore. No, it's gone. It's gone much easier on that front. It's much quieter. Um, yeah, I, I think um, I think I've just bored them to death now. I'm like, <laughs> like, like you're not going to get anything exciting out of me now in terms of like just following me around near my house. Apart from uh, me and Stace just had a baby. So the, Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So there was obviously some interest around that. Yeah. And there's the odd like comment that happens here and there or whatever, but but. It's not the same as it was. I suppose I've been off Strictly Come Dancing for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, so maybe that helps. And yeah, maybe they, they've cottoned on to the fact that me and Stace are not going to be seen sort of falling out of a club at 4am pissed or something. Like, it's just <laughs> we're quite boring people. So um, yeah, everything's that, that wave of uh, like chaos and ah from the press has kind of yeah. calmed down a lot, which is nice. Lovely. Yeah, I think it was when you were last on the show, I think that you were still in the middle of it. Right. And it was causing you some stress, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. Horrible. Like, making me want to pack all of it in. Like, really? I, yeah. Like, I just was like, I don't, like, I'm not enjoying anything about this. Like, this is horrible. Just people just hounding me, paparazzi. What sort of did they do? I remember when we were on tour with Burn the Floor at one point, and... Um, the press were just, there was cars following our tour bus. We'd seen them follow us all the way for about two, two and a half hour drive to the next venue. And they were just taking like pictures of me constantly and like, and just writing absolute nonsense. Like there was like, at one point there was a different story coming up each, like every day. Um, and you end up getting addicted to sort of Googling it just to find out what they're saying about you. So you're Googling your own name like a few times a day just to see what's going on. And there'd be like these ridiculous kind of stories that, that would be going on. So no truth in them? No. Just no, made up? Completely made up. I remember reading um, one story about how I'd gone to some like Brits after party and, and it was really descriptive about what I was wearing and and who I was hanging out with, and, and I was supposedly getting up to no good, and da, da 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 I was like, I've never been to a Brits after party in my life. Like, why would I be at the Brits? Like, um, it, was, it was just completely made up, but really detailed and really descriptive. Like, they'd really gone to town with it. And, um, and then they started doing this thing. Like, I remember um, one of the newspapers had a thing going on that was basically like, you've been framed. Remember you've been framed? Where you'd like send in a video to, to, to the show and they'd pay you 50 quid for the video yeah, yeah. one newspaper basically started going we'll pay you whatever it is 50 quid for your like footage so you get because everyone's got a phone with a camera now they just go and hound someone who's famous right. and take a video and if it's interesting enough to the newspaper send it to them they'll pay you 50 quid for it so now everyone's paparazzi so like in in this <laughs> in this time when like, like they were following me around um when you know they're just Oh, I can't remember when it was. It was like when me and Stace first got together or something. Um, this guy um, came out of the car. We were getting to our hotel out, out of the tour bus. He just came out with his phone like that. I just thought it was a fan. And, and he went, oh, Kev, um, how did the show go tonight? I went, oh, yeah, really good, mate. Thanks. And he went, oh, um, can, can I get an autograph from you? I went, yeah, yeah, no worries. He went, how do you feel about blah, 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 like a, a journalist question. You know, like something, something really personal. 
how do you feel about your ex? Da 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 da. I just went, oh, okay, and just carried on walking. And then he made fifty quid out of that, sold it to one of the tabloids, with the headline like, "Kevin refuses to answer the question about blah 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 about his ex or something." Like, that was just a guy in a car in the car park of the hotel, like not even a journalist, not even a pap. So it was that kind of thing was like constant when we were just in the news all the time. Oh, that was horrible. And and like, there'd be like, there'd be kids waiting at stage door for an autograph or something or or for a picture. And these journalists would be pushing them out the way and being, being rude to them to like shove a microphone in front of me and take a picture to ask me some personal question just so that they can then print that I refuse to answer this question to, to make me look bad. Well, that's horrible. But now none of that's happening <coughs> because there's nothing to say really. I, suppose. I don't know. I cannot get my head round why our free press are allowed to lie. No, neither can I. Why are there not laws in place? Mm. Well, why isn't truth important? Yeah. Well, this is the thing, because, yeah, they, they, they talk about, like, the importance of, no, we've got to have, like, freedom of the press and, mm. and everything. And I just don't know about that. B- b- because, like, say, so obviously Stacey, my girlfriend, makes documentaries, and a lot of them for, for the BBC. And when she makes a documentary for the, for the BBC... The amount of sort of red tape that she has to go through, the amount of hoops that she has to jump through, of all the fact checking and everything, because they can't be seen to be just making stuff up in a documentary. Yeah. It, it has to be accurate and, and everyone has to be satisfied that it's like been accurately reported and it's not just sensationalist nonsense. Mm. But a tabloid can write whatever they want because of, they've got this idea that we have to have a free press. So they can just say... Um, Rob Moore robbed a house last night. They just say it, and like, and, and it's difficult. To, like, you can take them to court, but it'll cost you a load of money, and they've they've got a lot of money, and it's, it's a horrible process. And <coughs> they'll just end, or they they'll you'll just come to some deal where they'll print, you know, on page twenty seven in the corner, like, oh, we we there's some misinformation, but nobody reads that. Yeah. They can just print on the on the front cover. Rob Moore did this, and then the damage is done if, if they want to go after you. Um, and sometimes they just, you know, they just like going after people because it'll sell papers. Yeah. Going after what sells and going after what makes the numbers big. Yeah. So, um, and they can just do what they want. And I'm like, surely there needs to be some kind of regulation. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of independent body that, that, that has to go, no, you can't write that. There has to yeah. be rules around this. Like, you can't do that on the BBC. How, how can these papers just do yeah. that? That's mad to me. It's absolutely mad. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that's something in the world that pisses me off. Mm. Um, I'm going to talk about that more. But I want to talk about something that we talked about off camera. Yeah. Would you rather make the best piece of art you've ever made that makes you feel whole and complete? Hmm. And the maximum people you can get in a live theatre is 25. Or make some cheap, reproduced art and sell out the O2 every Friday or Saturday. (laughs) 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 We talk about this shit all the time. Yeah. And we need to have this conversation. Yeah. Which are you taking? Yeah, I know. It's... (laughs) The art versus, you know, success or that, that, that kind of thing. Um... You'd get, obviously you'd go with the O2. 
you would, I'd love to sit here and go, no, you, you, you have to go with the, the, the art that makes you complete. And, that, and that's what sort of, as an artist, you want to be saying and you want yeah. to be heard to be saying. But um, no, of course, when it comes, if, if it's that kind of an example, like, of course you'd go with, with the O2. But it is a constant battle because obviously you want to create your best art in front of the most amount of people. Mm. But it's like, which, which way do you go if it's, if it's one or the other? Yeah. Big time into music. Mm. And I used to really admire bands like Radiohead. Yeah. Who would always create the music they want. Mm. Often almost contrarian, anti-success. And I, and I never really used to admire bands like Muse and Coldplay, who started edgy and rocky and then, and now stadium bands. Yeah. I've actually changed my mind. And I think fair play to Coldplay and Muse. Mm. They make music for the masses that the masses enjoy. Yeah. Just because it might not be my style. Yeah. Um, and I think there is still great art in the mainstream and the masses. Mm. Uh, maybe the way to do it is to make the mainstream stuff that's going to sell and get all the eyes on it. And then you can take them to where you want to go. Yeah. To, to, to the, the sort of arty, you know, the piece that, that you actually want to show him. Matthew Bourne, who's like one of the best sort of um, names and, cho and choreographers from the dance world, sort of legends in this, in this country from the dance world, he, he told me, like, like all, of, all of his productions are really sort of critically acclaimed. They're considered like art, you know, and you go to Sadler's Wells Theatre in London to watch his stuff and, and whatever. But it's also massively sort of commercially successful. And he told me you have to get everyone in the first um, sort of 10, 15 minutes of the show. As dark as you want to make a production and as sort of artsy and creative and all the stuff that you want to put together, don't go straight in with it. So the first thing you have to do, 10, 10, 10 or 15 minutes, make everybody laugh. Make it really easily sort of readable and understandable so it doesn't feel like high art. It just feels like a nice night out of the theatre and make it funny. Make everyone laugh, and then everyone relaxes in their chair and goes, right. "Oh, I'm in for a good night. I can enjoy this. I don't have to sort of pretend that I'm really cultured. Yeah. I can, uh, I can just relax and enjoy it. And then, then you've got them, and then you can take them where you want to go. So, like, for me at the moment, like, I, I obviously in the last couple of years, I left Strictly Come Dancing because Strictly Come Dancing is a massively successful, commercially successful TV show, and I feel like now I can do some of the things theatre-wise, that probably before I couldn't have done because, I don't know, there's, people know who I am now, there's eyes on stuff that I've done, I've done big places like the O2, and so now I can go and do some sort of like arty play or something ne next year in, in, a, in a smaller theatre because it's something that I'm passionate about or whatever. But if I'm starting with that, then it's, it's quite difficult, I think, to sort of get traction and get anywhere. Mm. I mean, that must be difficult as well. Uh, I watched the Lewis Capaldi documentary. Oh, yeah, I haven't thought seen it. it was really good. Yeah. And, I mean, he put an unbelievable amount of pressure, stress and anxiety on himself mm. because of the pressure to make that great second album. Right, yeah. the first album, you can make the album you want. No one yeah. knows you. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you're big. And you've, now got, you've, got, you've got to do it again. Exactly. You've got to do it again, but you've got to do it for the mainstream. And all they were talking about for this second album was, you know, writing a number one, writing a number one, writing yeah, a number one, yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. playing live gigs, writing a song I like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. 
there are also external pressures, aren't there? Like agents, managers, mm -hmm. your brand, social media, YouTube, TikTok, mm. algorithms, mm. which are pulling you away from your art and yeah. towards gimmicks and short form content yeah. and sensationalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that internal battle resonate? Do you? Yeah, it's because, so yesterday I did an, uh, a Q&A um, somewhere at, the, at, at this festival for example, and, and um, it was great. Like, it, it was a great Q&A and we got to, to sort of talk about whatever we wanted to talk about. But, um, and I knew, I knew it was coming when I, when I was talking to the person organising, they're, they're going to say, and are you going to do a bit of dancing? Like, and obviously, m mostly what I'm doing now is acting and singing, actually, more, more than dancing. Like, I'm doing the musical at the moment. But, um, you know, I'm doing more theatre and I'm doing some writing and that's sort of the direction that I'm going in now and the direction that I want to go in. Like, and, you know, da dancing is something that I feel like I've sort of, like I've done forever. I've done, yeah. I've done my whole life. And I was sort of like really looking forward to this conversation and this Q&A at this, at this place, and, um, which was, you know, writers and actors and, and whatever. But then they also said, but people are going to want to see you dance. I was like, oh, I don't really, I don't really do that so much now and <laughs> da, 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 da. But, but I get it. And, 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 and they were saying like, you know, like we were just thinking something, you know, just to please everybody yeah. because, you know, everyone knows you for, for, for your dancing and whatever. So like we did this bit where we sort of um, programmed, a, um, programmed a spontaneous moment where it was like, oh, does anyone want to have a dance with Kevin? And then yeah. they put their, someone put their hand up and I planned it with this, with this woman who had, you know, had done some dancing and I would get her up on stage and do some dancing with her. But I knew I had to sort of play that because that, because my, my sort of first album is here's, yeah. here's a load of ballroom and Latin dancing. And so everyone wants sort of more of that because then you come out with this completely different album, like Arctic Monkeys right now. I don't know if you listen to Arctic Monkeys, but like, <coughs> I love Arctic Monkeys. And they had some great like first few albums, and then their last two albums have sort of they've gone from being sort of um, this northern rock band, you know, with lyrics about sort of growing up in clubs and the chip shop in Sheffield or whatever, <laughs> which is all really brilliant, to sort of elevate a jazz music, and it's it's all gone a bit weird, and 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 it's like it's the same as what you were saying about Radiohead and yeah. and. And, and Muse and, and all of that. And it's like, oh, but I really like those, that stuff that you were doing and I just want more of that. So I get it. People, people want to see me dancing. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that has to keep that sort of um, strictly persona mm. a little bit. Like I still, I get it. I come out of the theatre in whatever show I'm doing and people still want to talk about strictly. Mm. It's what they want to talk about, which is great. Like I don't, it's not a bad thing, no. but it's just, sometimes you're like, you know, like I've, I've done a lot more than just Strictly. There's, there's all these other things that I've been doing, especially over the last few years. Um, but like Strictly is what they want to talk about because they see that as the, the big first album, I suppose. Yeah, because Harry and I are having about our 15th brand identity crisis on this show. <laughs> We've been doing this show now, what, seven and a half years? Yeah. Wow. And the question I asked you, we talked about in the car, because Harry said to me, would I rather have 100 views having amazing conversations mm. with amazing people mm. or 10 million views having shitty news, jacky, clickbait? Yeah. Content? And I had to 
say, <laughs> yeah. news Jackie clickbaity shitty. Mm. I know that's a false dichotomy because sometimes you have great, amazing conversations and they get good views. Yeah. But often you go into a conversation knowing it's going to be great, but knowing no one's going to see it. Yeah. And so what I'm picking up from you, and I, th- I like this, and maybe we should look at this, Harry. You give just enough mm. of what the algorithms and the, and the fans and the people want. Yeah. Just enough to keep them happy, yeah. but you also make sure you do some of your own art. In yeah, between. yeah, exactly. Like make, make everyone comfortable enough to want to sort of be involved in it and go, oh, I'm going to have a look at this and yeah, I'm probably going to enjoy this. But then take, once you've got them, take them in the direction right. that you, yeah. you want to go. Because you know, the algorithms reward all of the... Yeah, they do all the ah, trash, yeah, the yeah, sensationalism, yeah. the shock. Yeah. Harry, maybe you should front load every episode, all the trash in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. Then yeah, we yeah. go deep and dark. Yeah, then we have a really right. interesting, like, <laughs> yeah. grown up conversation about something. Yeah. yeah. So, so anything you want to, like, rant about and, 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 <laughs> and vent about, just keep, say, yeah. I hate this person <laughs> and I hate yeah. that. And then go, right, what do you think about <laughs> the world? <And> like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Right, where do we take it from here then? There's some things I want to ask you, Kev, but um, I don't know if you can talk about them. Okay. So let's get that in there now. And if you can't, I, you know, I always respect that. Yeah. But I know you're working on an exciting project. We talked about it in Starbucks. Can you talk about that? Uh, I can't go into loads of detail about it. Um, it is a future project. Yes. And it is fucking exciting. Yeah. And it is something you really want to do. Yeah. So it is like... You know, it's your Mona Lisa. Yeah. So go on, give us something about yeah, it. Yeah, so I'm writing a TV series. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, more, more, more. Uh, <laughs> um, based in, um, I guess, based in the world that I grew up in, of the, 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 the story of it is, is the sort of the, the competition ballroom dancing world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, I've been wanting to do it for years. I've, I've, I've been wanting to sort of... Um, write all these stories that I know from my own stories and, and from people, you know, other people that I know in the, in the same industry. And um, I just didn't know how to go about it for the longest time because like, I'm not a writer um, or wasn't. I guess I kind of am now. Yeah. But, um, uh, so, you know, in lockdown, I was doing online writing courses, like trying to figure out how to do it all. And, and um and then I was getting frustrated. Oh, I don't know if this is any good. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to show this to someone, you know, a production company or whatever. And then um, I spoke to um, Russell Brand, a friend of mine. Um, and he said, like, right, what, what you should do is you should just write it all down, like get it all out of your head, all the stories, all the characters or whatever, but don't think about it being any good. Um, like, just don't think that you're going to show it to anyone if it's not a presentation. Just even if it's completely unstructured, just get it all out of your head. Just write and write and write and write and write. And then we'll bring someone in to structure it, or like a, a writer to kind of put it together and put it into some kind of structure and form it into episodes, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So that's what I did in lockdown. I just sat and, and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And it was like all over the place, but like all the stories got out of my head onto the page and, and all the characters and whatever. And I, I think because there was that without the pressure of like, I'm not going to actually, actually be showing this to anyone, um, just, just the writer. Um, it, like, I was able to just do it 
And then the, we brought the writer in and he was like, oh, this is great. There's so much material here. And then he sort of sifted through it all and went, right, here, why don't we do it like this? Here's, here's the idea for sort of eight episodes and, um, and put a treatment together. And then we've been talking to different produ production companies. And um, yeah, it's, it's all looking, yeah, quite exciting at the moment. And stylistically, give us a feel and a mood for the series. Um, I don't want to give too much away, um, but it's it's sort of it's not going to be like a um, sort of a fluffy romance story. It's not strictly boring. It's not a talent show. No, 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 no. Um, it's it's a drama. Right. It, it, yeah, a, a, about that world. So it's going to be uh, you know a bit grittier. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> linked but not linked. <laughs> Is there a darker side to the dance world? Oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah, you yeah. don't see on Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, um, I mean, I I grew up in the in the ballroom dancing world, and this one of the reasons I sort of decided to to leave it was just like everything was about the competition all the time. Everything was about sort of winning the first place. I, 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 it's similar to the conversation we were just having. Everything was about winning that competition as opposed to being a great dancer. Like we were leaving the art behind. It, it was all about win, 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 and do whatever you can to win. And and sometimes that I was watching some political games being played. Like I watched. Well, the the coaches, like, like all the dance teachers, are are the judges. They're, they're the same people. So like, if if you're judge, if I'm going to a, a a dance competition and like you're the judge say there's one judge at this dance competition for example that doesn't happen but f for the purpose of this you're the judge at, at, the, at this dance competition and um i'm dancing at it and the next guy is dancing at it but the next guy is having dance lessons with you and paying you whatever you charge you know say um 250 quid for 45 minutes for a 45 minute dance lesson he's paying you that and i'm not and you're stood there with the pen and and people know that that guy is coming to you for dance lessons because everyone knows who's going to who for, for, for dance lessons there's no way that you're going to put me first above him you're going to put him first because it makes you look good and he carries on paying you yeah he's paying you He's paying you to learn how to dance, but he's paying you for that first place as well, because yeah. he knows that you're going to be judging. So, so like when people find out who's judging like the big competition at Blackpool, the British Championships or whatever, some people would just, you know, go around having lessons with those judges. And to, to keep up with them, you have to do the same a, a little bit. Yeah. And, and a lot of the dancers will claim, no, no, but we never did that. You know, we always just, for us, it was always about the dancing. They're all lying. <laughs> Everyone that's ever done any any good in the in the competition world, <laughs> yeah, like everyone that's ever done any good in the ballroom competition world has had to have been a bit savvy at some point, has had to have played the game a little bit. There were some dance teachers that I had lessons with that were crap, like absolute nonsense, like like what they were teaching me. I was in 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 situation, and and they'd be charging stuff like you know. 150 250 quid for 45 minutes you know whatever they were charging and I was paying them it and I couldn't really afford it you know I'm trying to work nine to five jobs and my mum and dad are trying to help me out to pay extraordinary amounts of money 
for <coughs> for lessons with these people who I was in a lesson with you know I'm listening to them and the whole time I'm thinking there's not you can't teach me anything I know more than you like I'm a better dancer than you I'm a better teacher than you and there is nothing that you can teach me here that's going to improve my dancing and I don't mean that out of arrogance no. there, there 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 are some teachers where that I really valued their their like what they were teaching me but some teachers I was like everyone has their sort of main coach that, that I guess is like the the manager of team you and they would say you need to have lessons with that person and that person and blah 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 <coughs> sorry um and they'd send me to have lessons with people and just be like this is an absolute waste of time they don't know what they're talking about if I do what they're telling me on the dance floor I'm gonna look like an idiot like, I'm not going to take on board anything of what they've told me. But they'd be all right with it. And they'd, they'd say, no, I know, but they're judging Blackpool this year. <laughs> it's like, all right, fine. Yeah. And <clears throat> there was a moment when um, uh, when I was in the, the, the youth, the under-21s category, and my coach, uh, my head coach, who was really prominent in the, in the dance world, um, I had a big fallout with them because someone had told me and I, and I don't know whether it's true or not but they told me that um, a, a rival of mine who we were sort of both beating each other and trying to win like the world's under 21s <coughs> um, they were we were both under the same coach and someone had told me that that our coach had sorted it for them to win the international championships ahead of me and I was livid because that person was my coach as well absolutely livid and I called them out on it because I was like a hot-headed 20 year old <laughs> who like didn't know any better but and we had a massive fallout and then for the next few months my results plummeted because that coach was quite powerful in that world so suddenly all the people that were in their pocket started you know that were judging the competitions they were caning me like i was getting nowhere my results plummeted I, I like probably sat um somewhere in the somewhere between 12th and 24th um in the world rankings and then i went down to like a hundred and something within months um my results plummeted and then um my sister went to me oh why don't you come and speak to my coach in italy and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to get involved with that coach. And da, da, da. And she went, oh, no, I will sort it all out. And when I went over there and went, right, my results have plummeted. He didn't say, right, let's have a look at your dancing. Let's like, what's going wrong with your dancing? He went, right, show me your whole plan, who you're having lessons with and what competitions you're dancing and da, 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 da. And I went, oh, these are my teachers, da, da, da. And, and he said, yeah, this is a disaster. You're not going get, to get anywhere like that everyone knows that you've had a fallout with that person and you're having lessons with that person they're in that person's pocket like they're they're, they're never going to do you any good because they're friends with the person you fell out with and dis and it was like it's like a mafia sounds like politics yeah it's like, po it is it's exactly like that system. and they said um and they said um what you need to do is you need to align yourself and, and basically describe to me that there's like a couple of mafias in, in that world, like there's this mafia and there's that mafia. You've fallen out with, with this side. The only chance you've got to survive now is to align yourself with the other side, which is these people. And I was like, okay. So I did that. 
started having lessons with a whole new group of people. My dancing didn't change, but I was having lessons with a, a different set of people. And a few months later, we went to the British Championships at Blackpool and came seventh like out of everyone in the world. I'd gone from about, you know, I don't know, 20th or something to 120th to seventh within the space of a few months just because I changed who I was like the people that I was associating myself with. My dancing was the same all the way through. There's no way that my dancing suddenly got that much worse and then that much better in, in a couple of months. They're like, it's all of that. And How did that make you feel? <sighs> well, the night that we came seventh, I was on cloud nine. Cause I was like, look at me. I'm like, you know, I'm suddenly like one of the best in the world now and everything's going brilliantly. But also like, I just had this sense of like, I don't know how good I am as a dancer compared to everyone else in this world. I've got no idea. Like, it's just, it's all a big game that's being played. And, and I started to hate the whole system. And then just, you know, people sort of, um, people making moves on people in unsavory ways and like. just, you hear stories of like, you know, just people being touched up in lessons and stuff and you can't say anything because they hold so much power, you know. Um, that happened to me really? in, a, in a dance lesson once where a dance teacher was just going, oh, you need to do your posture like this and was sort of grabbing me by the balls and pulling me about and, you know, just, just touching me in the, completely the wrong way and I didn't know whether to say anything or not. And I was told you probably best not because you, know, you don't want to piss that person off. And it, yeah, so just like there's that side of thing. Like dancing, ballroom dancing, ballroom and Latin dancing, I love. And there's still something magical about, you know, those competitions and stuff. But like there are experiences in that world that I just think are like, man, this is not right. This is, this is not how it should be. And, and like, and I would watch the, um, competition sometimes and like at the top level and be thinking how on earth is that person the champion but then it was like oh because they're so well connected and they've played the game in the right way and and I'm not saying like every single champion is there because of that there are some great dancers and phenomenal dancers over the years but it's it's a a murky world like you know is this part of this world going to be coming out in your Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff that I, I wanted to like write about and yeah. just like because it's an interesting world, and, you know, and it'll be embellished and everything for for a TV drama. But um, yeah, yeah, um, it, it's just you you want to grow up believing that no, I like if I um, if I if I really work hard, one day I'll be the champion. But dancing's not a sport. And, and there's, there's that big conversation that's always going on between is it sport or art? And like, I, I don't know how anyone can make a case for it being a sport. They're trying. As much, they even call it dance sport. Like, and they want it in the Olympics and all of this thing. But it's not a sport. Dancing is an art and it always has been. It's about expression and entertainment. Yeah. And you could say, I like that dancer better. And I can say, I, I like that dancer better. And you'll go, I know, but that dancer's paying me, so that one. <laughs> but it's, it's like, well, if we're going to have dancing in the Olympics, we might as well have singing in the Olympics. Yeah. You know, 
like, because the, the other argument is like people go, oh but, but, oh, but it's really athletic, you know, what you do, this dancing. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you have to be really fit. And it's like, no, I know, but that doesn't mean that it's a sport just because you have to be athletic and fit to, to do it. Like, are you gonna, like, if you put ballroom and Latin dancing as a sport and put it in the Olympics, I know we've gone off on a massive That's tangent right. now, but mm, then you have to put all forms of dance in the Olympics. So is ballet going to be an Olympic sport now? Do you know what I mean? They'll yeah. say, oh, well, it is athletic and you have to be in, in really good shape. But I know, but ballet is not an Olympic sport, is it? Like, it can't be. Yeah. Ba ballet is, is a display of art for everyone. Yeah. And, and so is ballroom and Latin dancing. Um, but, but, we, but that's where it's weird because the, the, it's based in competitions, the, the, the ballroom world. So it's like this, like, oh, who is the best? We work and work to get who is the best to become champion. But it's so subjective. Yeah. It's like, I love Muse, and you go, well, I like Radiohead. Yeah. Well, which one's better? Well, it's up to you. Like, it just depends on what you like. There is no better. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's it for me in dancing, and that's why it's so open to sort of yeah. just corruption. Like, you know, like, who, des who decides who wins an Oscar? Who decides who wins the Brits? Who... who it's just like, how does that all work, you know? Because there is no best, you know. How do you decide what's the best song of the year? Like, yeah. You see, earlier when we were talking, it seemed we were both selling ourselves into let's go for the virality over the pure art. But now with that conversation, mm. it makes me just want to produce great art. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's critically acclaimed, great, but that should not be the goal. Mm. Yeah, because I got to the point where I left the competition world because of that. Yeah. And, and, and I was in a position where they were going, you can be the number one, you can be the world champion. Someone basically, as a plan in front of me, said, all you need to do now, the position you're in, have lessons with this person, this person, this person, make sure you pay that person X amount of money a year, da, 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 and we'll make sure that you're the world champion. And it was there in front of me. This is the price. You'll be your world champion. And, and, and I went, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I walked away from it. Any regrets? No, none whatsoever. No. But my partner at the time. Um, dance partner or life partner? My dance partner right. at the time, who had the same conversations with them, um, went on to become world champion. Oh. With so someone else. Yeah, took the other pill. Now, that's not to say that she wasn't a great dancer. Yeah. She was and is a great dancer. But, you know, I was offered it. I could, like, I'm, I'm saying I could have been world champion if I wanted. And it's nothing to do with how good I was. <laughs> but I walked away from it because it didn't feel right. I wanted to do, yeah. I wanted to do something meaningful. And, and I found it in theatre. Yeah. Because theatre, like, to, to me, is an art. And we're all on the same team working together to produce a piece of art. Yeah. Or then, you know, Strictly Come Dancing. And I know Strictly Come Dancing is essentially a competition, but I sort of also saw it as just a, a show. Yeah. To, to me, I've, I'm, I'm sure I will have said this on, on the podcast before, but like for, for me, Strictly Come Dancing is like WWE. You <laughs> 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 need to explain that. It's it's the same show, right? So so um, especially the it's tour. It's not real. 
No, well, it's so the the Strictly Live tour. Um, have you ever been? I can't remember. If, I know you've been to the live show in the studio. I don't. I can't remember if you've been to like an arena, no, the just, arena just, tour. Just the live show. If you go to the Strictly yeah. Arena tour, right? You go out there and um, you uh, th- there are different characters, and it's cast in a way like all the pros are sort of have all something different like, about them. They're sort of gimmick, you know, a- a- about them. Like oh, the sexy one, the the disciplinarian, the um, the boy next door, yeah. the the whatever, the geeky one, the hot one, whatever. Um, and then the celebrities are cast in the same way. They've got different levels of dance experience and different kinds of personalities, and you put them together. And at the beginning of the Strictly Live tour, say in, in the O2, um, you come out to the big theme music, pyros go off, you've got your colourful outfit, you come out onto the floor, two of you, and do a routine. So like, you know, the two WWE wrestlers in the ring come out and do their choreographed thing, you get, then get some time on the mic to kind of rile the crowd up, to make the crowds go yay or boo. You've got the judges, commentators, sat there at the desk going, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I hated it. Three, boo. <laughs> you know, you got, so you've got your baby faces and your heels, you know, your good guys and bad guys. Yeah. And then at the end of the night, someone's crowned the champion. And then we go and do the same show in the next town, you know, like... A, a few nights later so the live tour and because you do the same show on the live tour you do the same show mm. and it's just this like traveling wwe show to me <laughs> um and even down to like the the character of it because you know like i got sort of on strictly i i got suddenly named kevin from grimsby mm. and because i'm a big wwe fan i was like for me i was like i can work with this this is my wrestling character. Because, <laughs> like, I know we've talked before, like, how um, I used to be a goth. Yeah. And that when I first auditioned for Strictly, I was, I was a goth. Mm. And, and they were like, this, this is silly. This is ridiculous. We don't <laughs> need this guy. Like, this is, like we're never going to put this guy on Strictly. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get the job. Um, but then I was like, oh, right, um, how do I get the job? Do I just kind of try, try again? Do I try and get around someone? I just change my gimmick. Like a wrestler changes yeah. his gimmick cut all my hair off and, and smartened up, wore a shirt and tie, put my glasses on and, um, and was sort of, you know, the version of me, it's still me, but like the version of me that my mum would like to see on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I was that guy. Yeah. And then I got the job. And um, they did, uh, you know, on my first episode of Strictly, they are introducing the, the new pros that year. There was five of us. And it was like all these like sort of hot people from all over the world and, and with long names. And Bruce Forsyth was going, um, Aliash Goryanets from Slovenia, pretending he couldn't read the auto cue properly. Yeah. Iveta Lukashuta from Lithuania. And then he went, oh, one I can finally say, Kevin from Grimsby. And it was like, yeah, got it. Because I watched WWE all the time. I was yeah. like, OK, that's my that's my wrestling character. That's my um, that, that's my gimmick. Kevin from Grimsby. And I just sort of it. it it is me, you know, it's always like a version of you there, but, it, but I just played up to it for, for seven years. Mm. Um, there was no internal conflict there about... Of course, because I, because I wanted to be cool and rock and roll and I wanted to do things that were different and edgy and da-da-da-da-da. But I also knew that 
what was going down well was this geeky boy next door. And that's not to say that I was putting it on, because I am a geeky boy next door, like, essentially. But it's just heightening that. You know, like when Dwayne Johnson was a wrestler, he was the rock. And he did the people's eyebrow and, you know, and, and all of that. If you smell what the rock is good. Like, he doesn't go around doing that every day, like, in, in, his, in his normal life, you know. Like, he just, it was this, like, heightened version of him that was the rock. And so uh, I'm not comparing myself to the rock. But, like, but like you know, the, the heightened version of me was Kevin from Grimsby on, on Strictly Come Dancing. So I, I sort of played up to that. And then that comes sort of back to the conversation we're having is that people still want that. Yeah. So now if I do something different, like I, I, I could do something completely different or I could like just I don't know, wear my hair differently or wear different clothes or behave in a slightly different way. People are confused because they want Kevin from Grimsby. Yeah. And it's suddenly become this character that you sort of feel like you have to play up to a little bit. And, it's a, and, and there is that dilemma of like, do I go down this road of what I want to do, who I want to be, and da, 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 or do I keep playing up to Kevin from Grimsby? Mm. Because that's, you know, people like that. Yeah. You know, so pe- people come up to me at stage door and you can just like something completely different. Like I did uh, the War of the Worlds last year, arena tour, which playing a character that was, you know, nothing like how people saw me on Strictly. Um, and I just sort of come out in my tracksuit ev- afterwards and, and, and people go, oh, Kevin from Grimsby. And, I, <laughs> and I'd be like, well, I don't talk like that. But like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, it's Kevin from Grimsby. We watch you on Strictly. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's take a photo. <laughs> um, so, so then if I ever go on like a, a morning show, like, um, you know, if I'm going on this morning or Lorraine or, you know, BBC Breakfast or whatever to promote whatever show's coming up, I tend to go towards Kevin from Grimsby a little bit because it's the let's get everyone interested in this thing because I'm doing this show that is not Strictly Come Dancing. It's not Kevin from Grimsby. It's not the thing that everyone's used to. Yeah. But, but I need to relax everybody and know that it's okay to come along. So I go Kevin from Grimsby. The commercial bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll play up to that. So they'll go, oh yeah, I'll go and see him and then I can do the different thing once they're there. Yeah. I would say, of all the time I've known you, because it's probably been a good... Quite a few years now, six, isn't it? Six, seven years probably, maybe. yeah, yeah. You seem to be in the most balanced place. Yeah. In terms of your identity of self and art. Yeah. Because this is something we have in common, maybe we don't really know, or other people don't know, is that I also have this commercial, Mm. you know, as you know, I like property, I've got a a good property business, and I love business, and I love talking about making money, and I love helping people make money, but I don't want to be on the side of it seeming like pushy or schemey or scammy. Mm. Um, And then I am a bit of an arty, creative kind of guy. But I regularly go around in a circle of, you know, should I be like, you know, in, in our world, there's Grant Cardone and Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're very, they have a very clear masculine identity. Right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think, no, just be, a, you know, a little bit more 
wise and considered. Yeah. Um, and then how much you use social media yeah. to get your message out to the masses and how gimmicky you are with your headlines and your yeah. um, newsjacking. But hearing you say that, I would say that is the most centred between art and commercial <laughs> yeah. I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like that's where you're at? Yeah. I feel in everything I'm the most balanced I've ever, I've ever been. Because, yeah, like we've known each other a while and you've seen me sort of like up and excited about alone, stuff yeah. and you've seen me like really down and like down on myself. Because yeah. cause, um, I knew that we were going to be having this conversation. I look back at a clip, just a, a little clip of like when you came to interview me in, in a theatre. I think it was for like the first episode of my podcast. Yes. And I was so like, and the first things I was saying to you in those first six minutes was you because you were like why did you want to do this and have these conversations and I just reeled for about six minutes while you were sat there just basically went because oh, I'm a mess I hate everything I hate myself I don't know what to do like I don't know what my own identity is um constant anxiety all the time I'm a bit depressed um like you know just yeah. oh my god like so down on myself yeah and like that like I don't feel that anymore at all like I'm I'm a lot uh, more yeah, balanced in, in all areas, I think. How do you think you pulled yourself out of that? Was that because you were right in the middle of all the barrage from the media? Um, did you pull yourself out or did life just change for the better? Um, th there's some very clear things and there's, and there's some things that I think just by osmosis kind of, kind of went that way. Um, I think that there was the media thing that was really difficult and it, and it was really getting me down like they were really into my personal life and it was just my turn I've heard other celebrities like yeah. talk about how sometimes it's just your turn and it was like my turn especially since I'd started doing well on Strictly as well because it's like whilst you're that underdog everything's fine and you know everything everything's going well but once you achieve the thing then it's your turn to be hounded um, and because I'd done well it had gone from oh is this plucky underdog let's all get behind Kevin from Grimsby into oh Kevin from Grimsby thinks he's the shit like, <laughs> like who does he think he is winning do you know what I mean it was it was yeah. like that yeah we don't want Kevin from Grimsby winning we want him being a plucky underdog coming second all the time yeah um so there was that and, and that was difficult and you know that subsiding has has been brilliant yeah um but also one very clear thing for me is that I stopped drinking. Um, uh, sort of nearly five years ago now, I just made a decision to stop drinking. And it's not like, it's not like I had some sort of epiphany of like, um, I stopped drinking and went, woke up, you know, a week later and went, oh, everything feels great now, because yeah. I'm, I don't drink. But, but I have to say that like, everything has got so much better in my life since I stopped drinking. Um, just just looking at the results of it or like the job I'm doing right now playing Scott Hastings in Strictly Ballroom the musical is something I wanted to do since I was 10 years old like I've been manifesting it for 30 years <laughs> like I saw the movie when I was 10 and I went one day they're gonna put this on stage and I'm gonna play him I was obsessed with the movie like it's it's been like my like when everyone was like like bucket list things that you want to do in your life one day I'm gonna play Scott Hastings in Strictly Ballroom on stage and um, 
it became a thing. They, they, I heard that they were making it into a theatre show, into a musical. Then I heard that the guy that was directing it was a mate of mine. I was like, it's happening. I auditioned for it and didn't get it. And then since I stopped drinking, they've created a whole new tour of, of you know, started again from scratch and I auditioned for it and got it. For four years in a row on Strictly Come Dancing, I came second. And then I stopped drinking and then I won. Like just results wise, and, and I'm not saying it's like all directly because of that, but I can't deny that like everything got better like results wise in, in my life. I met Stace um, when I just wasn't drinking, which meant I was probably in a better place in myself to sort of have a, a really nice, meaningful relationship. Yeah. Whereas, you know, just if, you, if you're in that place that I was in when I was having that conversation with you, when you don't really love yourself, and this, I know it all sounds a bit wishy-washy, but it's like... It's hard for people to love you when you don't love Yeah, you. yeah. If, if you're just not having yourself, how can, how can someone else... You can't just look for someone else to save you. That's not how it works. But, like, I was just clearly in a better place when I met Stacey, and we hit it off, and we have a brilliant relationship, and it's still brilliant. Um got a daughter now yeah. uh, so that's amazing I'm you know I'm doing my dream job this thing of, of of writing a tv series I'd said that I wanted to do for years I've been talking about doing it for years yeah it's only in the last you know few years that I've actually started making it happen yeah um so that was a big that was a big thing for me um I'm in much better shape as well yeah Just, you used to sort of Yo-yo a bit. Yeah, way, all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was up and down. Yeah. But like now I'm just in generally in, take better care of myself in that way. Um, and, then, and just, you know, I've always been into podcasts and, and books and, and, and all that sort of thing. And I think just constantly, you know, that, that thing of like you sort of, you are what you consume, yeah. you know, just consuming the right things. All, all the time um it helps yeah. you know just re reading the books and listening to podcasts um and sometimes not even trying like not even like trying to go okay i'm going to listen to this podcast or i'm going to read this book and i'm going to make these notes and i'm going to try and do these you know da, 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 not even like that but just having it on all the time like eventually it just sort of seeps in yeah. you know it, it's like it, it's just whatever you fill your system with whatever you upload into your um, hard drive of of your brain, <laughs> like it just becomes you in the end. You know, after after a few years, if if like if you're always if you're always watching wrestling, you end up always talking about wrestling in every conversation you have. <laughs> or football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what I do. But but um, but um, yeah. So like if if you're listening to sort of positive stuff all the time, or, or you know. People like yourself, or you know, just just people talking about you know, action. You know, go and do things, get things done. Stop, you know, stop making excuses and just yeah. go and do things. Like like, you end up just doing it sort of without thinking. Um, so yeah, that and yeah, now I just feel yeah, I feel happy. Yeah, and I haven't always been able to say that for the longest time. I, f I felt like I was always sort of fighting things. I was always trying to find the next thing and the, like the thing that was going to make me happy now I'm just sort of happy and as, and as a result 
all the things that I wanted to happen, like, you know, doing this job, for example, or writing TV series, is, is all falling into place. Mm. I'm not happy because those things are happening. I was yeah. happy and then those things happened. Right. Yeah. Take a little moment to enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because you said to me as well in, in that conversation, do you, ever, um, do you ever take the time to just take a look back at what you've achieved and actually sort of be proud of yourself? And actually acknowledge it and, and you know because we're always we spend so much time going no but i need to do this i need to do the next thing i need to do the next thing and and never take that time to go god look what i've done like look look what i've achieved and i remember when you know, a few conversations that we've had and you and you used to sort of bring that kind of thing up or you'd like give me a compliment and say oh you, you know you, you've done this and you've done that and da, da, da. And I'd sit there squirming like oh stop saying nice things about stuff <laughs> I don't want to hear it and no I don't want to sort of think about how I've done well it's just too difficult to like process but like I feel like now I can happily sit here and go yeah I'm quite proud of myself yeah like, yeah, like I'm proud of what, what I've achieved and what yeah. I'm doing at the moment and where I am in life. And mm. yeah. Yeah, let's take a moment to enjoy <laughs> <laughs> Random one, would you ever go on Strictly as a judge? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I was hoping you were going to say no and then I was uh, say, would you for five million quid? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I would. And yeah. my price is yeah. five million quid. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I, I'd like to do that. Yeah, I don't know if there'd be a place for me to be honest. Well, that was now, no. Well, no, and just because again with the whole thing of like casting and different characters and you know like how they have to cast it. Um, Bruno Tonioli left the show, and and Anton Dubeck has moved into being a judge, and um, he's uh, he's doing a really good job. And I think um, casting wise, like that would maybe have been sort of where I would sit yeah. in the casting. So like if if Craig Revel Horwood were to leave, then they sort of need another villain yeah. on the on the judging panel. And I'd I'm probably not that. Or, you know, if Shirley Ballas or Motsi were to leave, then I'm sure they would probably hire another woman. Mm. So um yeah, I guess casting wise. I'm so Kevin from Grimsby when it comes to Strictly that yeah. like no. <laughs> I don't. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but like casting-wise, my guess would be that's what they're thinking. So Anton would probably have to leave, yeah. but and he's not leaving anytime soon. I don't <laughs> think. But but yeah, if they asked me, then yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I understand that you don't really think that cancel culture is a thing. You know, people talk a lot about being cancelled. Yeah, and I understand that you don't even think that's a concept. Like someone can't get cancelled. Like they think mm. they're cancelled, but mm. everyone's talking about them. Yeah. Can we talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I, I just, yeah, it's, I think people confuse being cancelled with either someone just having a different opinion and them having their freedom of speech enough to say it. You know, if, because if, I know you've interviewed people like Katie Hopkins and people like that, but if Katie Hopkins can be okay with with just going on social media and calling so, some girl fat because that's her freedom of speech then she has to be okay with someone else going shut up we don't want to listen to you anymore she can't then moan oh i'm being cancelled for having an opinion no someone else just has an opinion 
like, and their opinion is, you're a dick. <laughs> and, if you, and if you can say what you want, they can say what they want. You can't just have freedom of speech just for what you want to say. And you want to be an arsehole and you want to have the freedom to say it. And not suffer any, like, I don't want any comeback because it's my freedom of speech. But I know, but it's not just you that has freedom of speech. Everyone can have freedom of speech then, if that's your argument. You know, it, it never works the other way. What they mean is, I want to say whatever I want and you can't say anything about it. And if they do say something about it, oh, look, the wokey lefty, I'm being cancelled. Like, who's, who's been cancelled, really? Like, you know, even talking about people like Andrew Tate, I mean, he's just been in prison, hasn't he? They threw him in prison and I still can't get rid of him off my Instagram. <laughs> Like they've literally locked him up. They've canceled him from society and I still can't get rid of him. I still hear more from him than I do from my own mum. Yeah. Like, so he hasn't been canceled. He can still make a video and put it out on social media and everyone's gonna see it. Well, okay, so let me play devil's advocate here because I partly agree with you and I wanna come to that. But Mm. if Facebook and Instagram and TikTok shut their accounts down and their merchant providers and banks freeze their money is that not being cancelled if what sorry if so if all their social media accounts get shut down yeah you know for example let's say barclays and natwest and whatever banks you have they froze your money yeah uh, and um all your social media because you've got big instagram etc it was all just one day you woke up and it disappeared yeah would that not feel like you're being cancelled yeah, I'm sure it would, but the, the, another, another word for it is being sacked. Like, if, I loved my job here, but if I did something on stage that wasn't appropriate and they went, we're firing you, you're fired, mm. I could moan, oh, I'm being cancelled because I, I wanted to get naked on stage. That's my freedom. That's my choice. I wanted to get naked on stage. And they go, well, you can't. There's... Kids Might in the sell audience. More <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd sell considerably less tickets. <laughs> um, you know, that's, yeah. it's just being sacked. If someone in your company, like if I'm working for you and I started doing things that, that were inappropriate and, and it was like looking bad for your company, and you and you Yeah, yeah. Because I had a different. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go for I it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll close all these. Yeah. Open loops. But. Um, most people supported Gary Lineker yeah. and his freedom of speech. Mm. But most people didn't consider that BBC is his employer. Yeah. And I did because I was an em- I'm an employer and I can yeah. see it that way. Yeah. And if he says something that potentially puts his employer into disrepute, then his employer might have power to yeah. cancel him, which is yes. what you're saying is sacking. Yeah. In the end, Gary had too much power. Yeah. So, mm. won the day. Mm. My, yeah. what I would, would agree if it was the same across the board, but it's not. Because if he would have said, this is great leadership from this Tory government, nothing would have happened. The argument is he's not allowed to have a political opinion on the BBC. Yeah. But Alan Sugar can say, don't vote for Labour. Yeah. And nothing happens. He carries on presenting The Apprentice. Mm. You know. think it's different for Alan Sugar as it is for Gary Lineker then? Because is it the brands of the people? Because Alan Sugar's brand is quite disruptive. 
And actually, people like the fact that he says exactly what he thinks, whereas everyone <laughs> wants Gary to be, you know, the, the polite, warm, nice, friendly. Is, is it a brand? I think no. it's because the, the, the main sort of tabloidy media side of things is run by um, conservative supporting people. The people that want the Tories in power, as, a, as opposed to Labour. And whenever the BBC kind of, who do their best to be impartial, and I think the BBC is a really good organisation and they do do their best to be impartial, but whenever anything looks like they might be t being too critical of the government or can be perceived to be leaning slightly the other way, like to a little bit left or whatever, there is pressure on them to, we're going to get rid of the license fee, we're going to close down the BBC. There's always a big campaign, defund the BBC, to put pressure on them to go back in line to, um, to make the Tories look good. Mm. So if Gary Lineker so had have said... government-sponsored organisation, you mean? I don't think... They don't want to be, but I just think there's too many people in power. Yeah, but you don't always want to be kept... No, I know. I just think I just think there's too many people in power on that side of things. Mm. That so, like, I honestly believe if sorry if if Gary Lineker had said, "This is great, strong, and stable leadership," finally from a government, nothing would have happened. He wouldn't have been in trouble for saying that. They would because it. it's supportive yeah. of the government. Yeah. But because what he said was slightly like this is disgraceful. Yeah. It was like, like Alan Sugar, Jeremy Clarkson, those people that can sort of, they're so anti-Labour Party, strongly sort of Tory government. There's examples, you know, hours later after the Gary Lineker thing, all those exam examples were all over the internet. And those two both said those things and carried on working for the BBC for years. Mm. Gary Lineker said something very slightly like, you know, and, and it wasn't even a, like a big direct comment, but could be perceived to be like the people in power didn't like it. It was taken off air within hours. Like, so it's not the same so across so, the board. No. So, so, I, so I was very supportive of like, you know, like if Alan Sugar can say that, if Jeremy Clarkson can say that, then Gary Lineker can say that. And he wasn't saying, it's not like he went on Match of the Day and said it. No. You know, he, he was on his social media. But I understand if they, want to, if they want to say, you know, no, it has to be completely impartial, the BBC, which I do believe they want to be. I don't believe that the, B the BBC itself is like bias in one direction. I believe that they want to be as impartial as possible and provide this service to everyone. But it has to be across the board. They can't just punish Gary Lineker when it's not, what, not the opinion they want to hear. Yeah, so in the end, he didn't get sacked or cancelled. No, and it was probably, great. Probably because he's too big. Yeah, and too many people supported him. Yeah. And that was the thing. Every, everyone stood up for him and went, no, I'm not having this. Yeah. I'm not having this. Because that's not how everyone's treated. So this now circles back to this conversation of if cancel culture exists or not. Because I'm on the fence. Because yeah. some people have had their careers ruined mm. because um, their reputation's been tainted enough that they are now unemployable. Mm. There may be no smoke without fire and maybe that's justified or not. And mm. I guess those people would say they were cancelled. Then there's other people. Like, imagine trying to cancel Ricky Gervais. Mm. You couldn't cancel no. him. 
No, yeah. and Gary Lineker didn't get cancer. No, because he's too big. Yeah, like even even if he got sacked on the BBC, he'd be bigger than Jesus now. He, go, he goes yeah. to yeah, he, he he goes to work for BT Sport yeah. or for Sky or whatever, or creates his own yeah. sports channel. Well, that's it, like, like like Piers Morgan did. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether you like him or not, yeah. his move was smart. Yeah, he became independent. Yeah, um, and he stood by not having not having to apologise to Meghan and face the consequences of it. Go on, yeah. say what you're thinking, say what you're uh, thinking. I mean, Piers Come Morgan, on. yeah. I mean, oh, I want my freedom of speech. I re- Hi, I'm the weatherman. I have a slightly different opinion. I'm off, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to have this. I cancelled himself. Like, <laughs> like the, the, the second that someone dared to stand up to it, he was like, he was like a, just walked off in a huff. But all that was wrestling as well, wasn't it? It was just like, yeah, we've all seen... It's, it's the classic, I'm walking out of this company with the world title and taking it to a different wrestling company storyline. Yeah. Like, it's all theatre. Mm. Yeah. It's all, it's, everything's WWE. Mm. We've, <laughs> I can't remember whether we've talked about this before, but my, my, like, WWE explains everything in the world. <laughs> everything that you see now, WWE did it first. Like? Just the idea of everyone's brand and character and whatever. So WWE, uh, like, professional wrestling started off back in decades and decades ago like 100 years ago whatever as like a, a a sort of carnival circus type attraction where they just get um people in to fight each other and people come to see this big match and they'd find like you know the biggest person in the uk you know they just find this mammoth guy to fight against someone who was like extraordinarily strong and can lift you know, these kind of weights. And it was like, you know, big carnival attraction type stuff. And we're getting to fight each other. And people are paying. It was like great entertainment. But what they found is they couldn't maintain the act because they were killing each other. <laughs> like they were like genuinely fighting and like, yeah. oh, we've just lost our star attraction. Like <laughs> this, like the biggest guy, the builders, like the biggest guy in the world or whatever mm. is fighting. Oh, he's just broken his neck because <laughs> he was in that fight. And oh, we can't, we can't sell tickets for it anymore. So what they started to do was well, why don't we sort of choreograph it? But we need to take this on the road and we need to maintain it. So we can't have him getting hurt. So why don't we say like, look, pretend to punch me um, and we'll create a storyline out of it and like, you know, create beef out of it and, and make it into this big thing where people are going to go, oh, I want to pay to see that. And then we'll pretend we're fighting and everyone think we're actually fighting. But then we can do it again the next night in a different city and, and, and no one will ever know. Yeah, and now, explain social media there, you? precisely, <laughs> precisely. Nobody on social media is who they are in real life. It's all their wrestling character. It's how they want to be seen as like this bigger version of them or this hotter version of them or this more exciting version of them or whatever. Social media, um, you know, the, the tabloids, you know, it, it's like we, we can we can say, um, oh, you know, when they were, you know, like when you um brothers you know when, when you're kids you know oh did you ever used to sort of push your brother about and like, yeah yeah so did i yeah harry threw his brother william down to the floor in a fit of rage and the uk goes oh my god they shouldn't be talking about this and it's like what are you on about it's this theater it's pure theater like the tabloids are making theater out of everything the tabloids are not reporting news the tabloids are making theatre for everyone, and and, we, and everyone loves it. Yeah, it's all entertainment. Famous. It's fake fighting. Yeah. Let's get everyone outraged. 
let's get everyone like ah about this situation. Like like I heard it from my mum and dad. My mum goes, "What do you think about Harry pushing William to the floor?" <laughs> I went, "What do you mean? What do I think about it?" Well, what do you think? I went, "What two? What, 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 there were nine and six or something, and they pushed him on the floor." Like I think I pushed my sister on the floor once. Like do you know what I mean? It's like no, it's, it's that's not news. Yeah. That's, <laughs> two kids pushed each other. That's not news. Yeah. But they, we created such theatre out of it. Yeah. And now, like, Harry, Harry and Meghan can't, you know, do anything without it being turned into theatre. You know, no, and it's like, oh, we're so outraged. Why do you care? Like, Don't you think they're sort of bringing that on themselves? No, I think it's what, I think that's the narrative. Because it's entertaining it, as a narrative. You, you know, he, he just wants a normal private life, yeah. He's yeah, but he's never going to have a private. But he's never going to have that. Yeah, but you don't go on Oprah and James Corden if you want a because, private no, life. Because, no, but I don't think that was his initial intention. I think they wanted a private life. But, like, I have a, a half a percent of the fame that, that they have, yeah. right? Like, nowhere near. But when I'm get, at the time when I'm getting hounded by, you know, tabloids or whatever... Everything in me goes, and then I tell all my friends and family, I need to just, I'm, I'm just going to keep a low profile. I'm not going to give anyone any interviews. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. I'm going to be the bigger man. I, I just want a private life. That's what I said to everyone. And then the tabloids went, he went to that party and he slept with that girl and he did the da 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 da. And everyone went, you what? Kevin from Grimsby did that. And I had to go, Right, I need to do an interview with someone just to set this <laughs> yeah. straight because no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't do any of that. Yeah. Like, Harry and Meghan have got to be able to sort of, like, if, if they don't tell their narrative, then it's going to be told for them by all these other people that are making theatre out of them. Yeah. So I don't think it was their intention. I don't know them, I'm not speaking no. for them, but like, I don't think it was their intention. But like, when such theatre is being created, there was such a campaign of like, it's like we're so fucking outraged by everything they do. And I'm just like, why do you care? Why is it so important to you what Harry's doing or what Meghan's doing? They left the room. My honest opinion, I'm being all ranty now. This will be a headline. But <laughs> this, will be, this will be the first few minutes yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like, Harry pushes his brother to the floor when they were kids. Can't give a fuck. Harry and Meghan left the royal family. I don't give a fuck. Harry's done an interview with Oprah. I don't give a fuck. He's just done the trailer for us. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a fuck. No, I don't hate well, them for it. I don't love them for it. Reason, I don't give a fuck. So it's got, not important to me. I've got a theory on this. The reason you don't give a fuck is you've got enough interesting things in your life yeah. to do. Yeah. And you are busy and you have a meaningful purpose and vision. Mm. I have a theory that all the people that need all this WWE, yeah. they are not got anything enough focus to... Put their own time. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. But, and it, but it's, it's also, it's just pure entertainment. Yeah, and it's We love being entertained by, by it. Media. Yeah, yeah, we love being entertained by it. I love WWE. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, we love being entertained by it. We need to be made to cheer or boo at all times. We need, we need someone to cheer and we need someone to boo right. at all times. That's yeah. what gets traction. We can't just go to something or, or consume something and go, that was all right, I enjoyed yeah. that. We need to be like, oh, I love that guy. I love that band. I, I love this 
channel. I love that, you know, and we also need a villain all the time. Oh, I hate that person. Yeah. And it's like, but Is like. Is that good? I know. It's just, it's, I, I think it's just always been the same, hasn't it? Probably if you look back in like history, history, oh, it's like. And Judy and all that. But, and all public that, yeah. hangings. Yeah. You know, we need a public hanging back in, <laughs> back in the day. And we still do. Right now, the public hanging is is Harry and Meghan. Yeah. We but we need it's for some reason we need it. We need to all go to the town square and go boo and throw cabbages at someone being hanged all the time. It's like what? what I don't I don't know why, no. but we need it, and and that's why WWE is successful because they'll create a villain yeah. for us all to go boo and they go into your hometown and go your hometown stinks <laughs> boo, <laughs> yeah. and then the Rock comes out and goes shut up jabroni and we all and we all go yeah. I love the rock, and we all want to see the rock beat that guy's ass for talking bad about my hometown. Yeah. So now they'll create some hero to take down Harry and Meghan, and and it's it's oh, it'll probably be Piers Morgan or someone. <laughs> yeah, well done for telling Meghan. Oh, well done. Like, no, why? It's when you really look at it, like the actual the actual content of it, beyond the theatre of it, beyond the spectacle, and. Megan wore a dress that looked like one of Diana's dresses. <gasps> you know, once you get past the theatre of it, no like, do you really no give content. a fuck? Like, I don't care about the dress. I don't care about the avocado. I don't, like, whatever the new thing is on Harry and Meghan, like, I don't care. I'm just going to, like, I'm going to look at it and go, right, who's playing tonight? Yeah. Chelsea versus Real Madrid, cool. Like, I'm not going to think about, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to spend my day thinking about the dress that Meghan wore. Piers Morgan doesn't care. I, I, honestly, I honestly believe that people like Piers Morgan, or not you know, whoever's talking about it, I honestly believe that they don't actually care about Harry and Meghan, but they know it gets the numbers. They know it gets the traction. They know it gets the views on social media the same way that the tabloids know that the headlines will get the views, the same way that I know that Kevin from Grimsby will get more audience members than Kevin Clifton. Yeah. Um, the same way that WWE knows that the heightened characters and um, storylines will, will, will get the traction. The same way that Tyson Fury knows that if he calls that guy a, a bum and a big dosser, people are more likely to buy the fight. Do you know, like, yeah. it's yeah. like, like, with this guy that you're fighting, you need to tell the world about how much you hate him, and then everyone's going to go and come and watch the fight. Yeah. If you say, oh, he's all right, the fight's not as interesting. Nah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. So. All right, that's our next <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Harry. What, do a big wrestling promo. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I'm coming to your town and I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> like, it, it, it's got to be that. Yeah. But, but it has to be that. Like it, it, and, and, and everything is that. The tabloids are that. Our news is that. Social media is that. Everyone's social media profile is their wrestling character. Like everything is storylines mm. and theatre. Everything. I suppose someone would say the whole world's a stage. Yeah. But like <laughs> everything is storylines and, and, and theatre and we need it to make it more interesting. Like, if I'm selling a tour, if, if I decide to do a tour, the Kevin Clifton tour next year, like, I can go, I'm going out on tour next year. Come and see me. Or I can say, 
next year's tour is going to be my last tour ever because I've had a big argument with so-and-so and I never want to dance again. That's it. I've had it with dancing. But for you, I'm going to do one last tour and it's going to be my best tour that I've ever done. And I'm going to put my heart and soul into this because I'm never going to dance again after this. And I never want to see another dancer again because I hate all dancers. This is, I'm making this yeah. up, by the way. This is not <laughs> yeah. the truth. No, this is the truth. I, yeah, <laughs> I hate every dancer in the world and especially the ones on Strictly. <laughs> Everyone's coming to see that tour. Yeah. It's all fear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people, <laughs> everything is WWE. Yeah. People, the people that are complaining about Harry and Meghan don't care what Harry and Meghan are doing. They just know that people are going to watch. I honestly believe that. Let's do a quick fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, really you always know how to get me into that like <laughs> ranty mood. I think I'm going to sit here and have just a nice little conversation about <laughs> how my life is so balanced now and how everything's, you know, I'm just happy and content. Half an hour later. <laughs> so Harry's got to stuff all that into the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The clip on your social media yeah. of me going, I hate everything. I hate everyone on Strictly. I hate dancers. <laughs> Not true. None of that's true. <laughs> right, we've got a quick fire round here. Okay, I'm always rubbish at these. No, you're Go not. On. You're good. Um, who's the greatest performer of all time and why? Robbie Williams. Um, because he has something about he knows how to hold just an entire crowd in the palm of his hand, but also do it in a way that feels completely genuine and honest and like he's just speaking to you like to one person in the audience and bearing his soul. Whether it's theatre or not, I don't, who knows, but it feels like it's very genuine. Who would be your ideal dance partner who you have not danced with before? <sighs> Meghan Markle, because everyone would watch it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yes. it would be the biggest viewing figures in the history of Strictly Come Dancing if I did Strictly with Meghan Markle. Everyone would watch it. And, um, yeah, it would be great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll defend her and tell everyone, shut up. <laughs> Stop obsessing over this person. <laughs> Should you ever mix family and business? <sighs> I mean, you can. I mean, I have done. I've grown up in my whole family is a dancing business family. And, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of my parents and everything you know obviously um it's often been the case that like i've been in a relationship with my dance partner and, and stuff like that and that can get difficult that can get very difficult because you're just sort of together all the time and trying to create your business together and then going home together and you know all of that that's difficult I'm, you know i'm not saying it can't be done but it probably takes a bit more work than than otherwise would you rather have one million pound cash there there you go or one million engaged uh, Kevin Clifton superfan followers on social media and why? <laughs> my instinct, what's annoying is my instinct is to say the, the engaged followers because it's almost a bigger currency now than, than money itself. And like if we're saying like everything is theatre in the world, then you can bend, that the theatre needs an audience and, and, and you can sort of... Um, you know, you, you can really use that. But what's annoying me when I say that is that my brain then goes, 
So why aren't you doing more to like increase your social media following? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's, well, yeah, that's a difficult one though. Because if you've got the money, if you just have that million cash, then you can go and invest it in the different things and grow it into more money. And then you don't need to worry about any of that. You could just have your money and just live, live your life. But, um, but my life is very wrapped up in the entertainment industry. So I suppose the following, I guess. All right. Um, this is Harry's question. All right. This is Harry's question. If you hate this question, this is Harry's question. Okay, we're making Harry the villain. <laughs> this, I, we, we always put one question in that I don't want to ask. Oh, God. <laughs> this is actually a really good question, and I think you'll be cool with it. Okay. But what does being divorced three times before the age of 35 teach you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh... I guess don't rush in. <laughs> um, no, know yourself, but it's the, it's that thing of like know yourself before making massive, massive decisions. You've you've got do the work on yourself first. It's that I think it's that thing of like always thinking that like, oh, if I just have that, I'll be happy. You know, if like trying to go after something or trying to go after some sort of like ideal of something that you think is the path you're supposed to go down. You know, that that the thing of like, th this is the thing on paper that I like want out of life and I'm going to go and rush into that. But I think just, yeah, try and try and work on your self first, because like, I've had so much anxiety and, and unhappiness and all of that, like for, for, for like for so long and things sort of went wrong. Now I'm, I feel really happy and everything goes right. So are you saying you were looking for relationships to maybe get rid of that anxiety? Yeah, maybe. Trying to deal with it yourself, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. You know, you said about relationships, you know, they're not there to save you. Yeah, yeah, like if I just have that relationship, if I have, the, you know, the, yeah. the house and a relationship and, and the, a, a dog and, kids and, and, and a car and the, like the things that the checklist of yeah. things you know like if, if I have that then everything will be fine but it doesn't work like that you know it's just like you, you've got to be happy on your path and in, in, in what you're doing and then those things will fall into place how they should how they will fall into place rather than how you think they should you know what would you say is your biggest mistake biggest mistake um Biggest mistake? That's a really difficult question. I don't know how to answer it actually, because there's that thing of like you know you well you learn from all your mistakes and and you know I'm I'm a better person now for mistakes that I've made and and all of that. So you sort of don't regret them. I don't know. I honestly don't know how to answer it. Okay, let's change it to what's your biggest regret? Ah, see again, my biggest regret. It, do you know what? It's something really stupid. Because the, all the big stuff, you know, like, oh, that time I got drunk and did this, or, you know, like, or when, you know, my relationship fell apart, or, you know, all that stuff is all just, like, life stuff that you end up learning from, like I say, and, and you... And I think you know, when people go, oh, I've got no regrets, I, I never really think that's true. We all have, like, regrets, but we also choose to learn from them. Yeah. Um, 
this is going to be really stupid, but you know, um, like when you just run something over in, in your head, like a conversation that you had and you're like, oh, I wish I'd never said that. And, 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 and it still haunts you like 20 years later or whatever. There was one time I was, I was doing, um, I was sort of making my way as like, as, as competitive dancers, you do, you do like demonstrations at like a, a dance school or someone's Christmas party or a corporate gig or, you know, or whatever. You turn up, do five dances and you talk on the microphone a little bit. And you sort of learn your trade a little bit in those, in those first years of doing it, of like how to, um, how to talk on the mic and how to engage an audience and, you know, how to, how to go about it. And some people are better at it than others and whatever. And I was getting my dad to help me with it because my dad was really good at it. And we're like back in the day when he was a dancer and he used to go and like, people would employ my dad to come and dance at their, at their party or whatever more for his chat on the mic than they would on like his dancing because <laughs> he, he was just really entertaining with a microphone. Um, and um, I was getting my dad to help me with it. And my dad sort of, I look back now, my dad got carried away with a few of like jokes that I was like putting in there. And one of them was a really rude joke. And I, and I still to this day, if it pops into my mind, I go, I, I cringe inside. And I, like, I'm not gonna say the jokes, it was like really horrible, but like, um, <laughs> um, I said this joke and it was just the wrong audience for it and the wrong, context and i just like late like planted this joke in the middle of like a ballroom dance show <laughs> and and you felt just the air go out of the room like everyone went like that and still to this day every now and again it'll pop into my head and yeah. i think i wish i'd never said that joke in that room <laughs> 20 years later yeah 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 because all so it's that and i know that's really stupid but all the big all the big stuff is just like life learning stuff you know which i'm a better person for now but that, I'm like, that, oh. that joke you've said, I've made at least once every six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a horrible, it's such a horrible feeling. Yeah, it is. But you don't know the line until you cross it. Yeah, I know. And sometimes you can, these jokes just on the edge of the line are perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you need a bit of therapy on that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, oh, God. Yeah, it's a horrible thought. What's your most brutal life lesson? Um, brutal life lesson would be something to do with um, how the, I think there was a time when I was doing Strictly Come Dancing when you know suddenly I was on TV and people knew who I was and I guess something around you know how we're saying like everything's wrestling and everything's theatre and it's like I guess with with wrestlers you'd think like where's the line between like the undertaker and like he's a guy called mark right the undertaker is a guy called mark and so where's the line between the undertaker and mark as a, as a person and he must feel that like for mo as he goes through the rest of his life he's sort of got to live up to the undertaker you know or hulk hogan or you know these people like uh, have got to live up to that persona a lot and and i think with the whole um, people now saw me on TV and what worked best was when I was sort of playing up to the Kevin from Grimsby thing and then people wanting me to be that. I probably, the, uh, there was a time when I just wasn't coping with it all very well. And um, I was getting a, a lot of 
claps, you know, like people were going, oh, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. Kevin from Grimsby, we love Kevin from Grimsby. So I was playing more and more up to that. It was like an ego thing, I guess. Like just not as in like arrogance, but just as in like it was playing on my ego, a part of me that I sort of hadn't discovered yet. And, and um, trying to, there was a time when I was probably like acting up a bit that like, like that I was trying to be that all the time. And it was this like deep insecurity that was like, oh God, I need people to love me because I'm not very secure in myself. So I'm just going to try and be this for everyone all the time and getting carried away with that all the time and just completely losing yourself in it. There was a, about a year where I just completely lost myself in, you know, and I, I need to be this for everyone. And, um, yeah, and just, just things like, you know, I, I remember like a party that I went to, like I was, I was supposed to um, come back and like go around the golf course with my dad. And I'd go up to Grimsby for, for that. And, and I, was, I was out all night sort of acting up as trying to be Kevin from Grimsby and trying to impress people with it, and like, which is silly now. And I know that's stupid and, and whatever. But, and, then, and I just got drunk all night because I needed to, to have any confidence because I had zero confidence or self-esteem. So I, need, uh, I needed to drink to sort of... Um, be the life and soul of the party and be everything that everyone wanted me to be. And therefore I was just living for them. Living for the algorithm. That's what it is. Just living for the algorithm and becoming something you're not. Because the algorithm is telling you to be that. We are back to the dilemma we yeah. have this show all the time. Yeah. We either get millions of views mm. or 3,000 views. Yeah. All right, sometimes we get 50,000, 100,000, 500,000, but it's the... It's the swing between a million views and 3,000 views. And yeah. do you lose yourself in the process of trying to get the million views? Mm. Or would you be yourself and be happy with the 3,000 views? I know, I yeah. Know. It's, like, it's like if I was to go back on Strictly Come Dancing, for example, like if, if they said, oh, next year, would you like to come back? Or like, and, I was, and I thought, yeah, no, maybe I will. Like, I wonder, like, would I start playing up to the Kevin from Grimsby thing again, or would I be, which, which again, it's not like a fake persona, like it is me, but it's the, like all of them on there, you know, like the, everyone plays up to a certain stereotype. Giovanni plays up to this hot Italian thing, you know, like, you know, like ev everyone plays up a bit to, to a certain stereotype. Everyone in TV does, you know. Um, I wonder if I'd start doing that or whether I'd be like, well, this is me now. Yeah. I'm sort of a bit, I've changed since the last time I was on. I'm being this now. Or whether I'd just go, but I know this is what you want. So here we go. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Do you go towards the algorithm or do you try and be yourself? That's the big question. That is the big question. This show is called Disruptors. Yep. What does that word disruptive mean to you? <laughs> I've probably given like eight different answers to this. Maybe that the latest idea on it, for me anyway, I mean someone might have already said some of this, I don't know, um, would be someone who's willing to do something that isn't necessarily along with the algorithm but gets the traction. Maybe it's someone who like has that courage and, and bravery to go, this is what I'm about and it's actually not it's not the, the norm. It's not what everyone's trying to do. And, and they just disrupt a whole, you know, industry or, or, or whatever. 
you know, a whole sphere. Because social media and all of that is teaching us all to be the same. Yeah. TikTok yeah. is like, you know, it's like, they, it's like they inform you. Do this dance to this music will get you more views. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. for example. So it's like we're, we're and, and everyone wants the views, so we all go and do that same dance. I don't, I'm not actually on TikTok. But uh, which I know you'll be like, what? <laughs> but um, yeah, like the, the, the algorithm says, this is how we want you to perform in this theater of life. Yeah. So go and do this and we'll give you the numbers. Yeah. But like maybe a disruptor is someone who um, goes against that in, in like <laughs> the algorithm of life. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, you got me all ranty again. Awesome. Yeah, you were so calm and laid back when we got it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this is I'll, gonna be a nice I'll chat. Like bringing out the beast. Yeah. yeah.